Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. We are starting a new sermon series out of the book of Deuteronomy on drawing close to God. Now, let's be honest, that's going to be a little tricky. Deuteronomy is not an easy book. The the joke is that, and I think it's true, is that due to New Year's resolutions, Genesis is the most read book of the Bible, and Deuteronomy is the most dropped book of the Bible, that it's the most started and, and least finished book. Uh, it's not an easy book to get through, and yet God left it to his people Israel for a reason. It survived to the modern day because the Holy Spirit has has made sure that we have the books of the Bible that we need, and it is a book that is worth looking into. And there's a lot in there. Literally, it means the second law. As we know the story, the, the, the children of Israel, due to disobedience, weren't allowed to enter the promised land like the original plan was. And so a full generation later, 40 years later, their kids get to enter the promised land, but they need to be taught the law of God. So it's the second law. It's the second time that Israel has had to hear this, but for a reason, the previous generation had died out, and the next, the next batch of Israelites needed to hear it, and we could use to hear it as well. If the Bible... Is, so I believe that the Bible is uh, inerrant, sufficient, um, universal, uh, uh, unique to all people, authoritative, divinely inspired, and infallible. Uh, If these statements are true, if the Bible is all of that, then reading Deuteronomy, no matter how tough it is or or maybe in places a little little bit dry, it's still valuable for, for Christians to read. If it's not, if the Bible isn't those things, then the Bible is a waste of time and church is a waste of time. Today we will look at what God says about obedience and where it fits into the Christian life. And we're in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And if you would look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 4, we'll just start in verse 1. Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor, but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them? the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. 
And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you don't forget them, the things your eyes have seen, or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So when we talk about the law, and that's with a capital L, when we talk about the law, when we look at the Old Testament, it's easy to get confused. What is the law? The Old Testament has a lot of rules in it. What is the law? What a, and then we have the trouble. This is the big struggle. We read the Old Testament and we say, which bits matter for today? Which bits do we apply to ourselves today? Um, which bits were for Israel, right? I mean, we don't, we don't follow all of them consistently. Uh, Ten Commandments, and, and, and we're kind of good on nine of them. But the, the honor the Sabbath, we, we, don't, we don't keep Saturday from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. We, we, the Lord's Day for the church is on Sundays. We're not, it may seem like we're not consistent. We, we, we eat bacon for breakfast. Couldn't do that in the Old Testament. But then we say, ah, oh, but we should pay attention to the Old Testament and we should learn its, its, its rules. Um, how important is obedience... This is another good question. How important is obedience when we teach that we're saved by grace? You can't earn God's favor, that, that rules don't do it. How, how are we supposed to live as Christians? You know, the, the Old Testament rules on property, they don't apply to us today. The Old Testament rules on, on how to treat slaves. Yeah, Slavery is bad. We don't, we don't apply those today. Some of the things applied just to Israel back then. But there is a lot that, that, that's universal. Don't steal, don't murder, right? These are, these are reasonably universal. How, how do we have the wisdom to know which bits we keep and, and which bits were for Israel only? We, we recognize that the church, we are a New Testament church. I was raised on the phrase that we are a New Testament church. I believe that. That's important. I think in, in the broad scope of things, the New Testament is more applicable to the church. Absolutely. But the New Testament quotes the Old Testament a lot. How does the New Testament treat the Old Testament? It's not consistent on, on kosher laws, on, 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 on how, we, how we eat. It's not consistent on Sabbath. But it is consistent on things like don't cheat on your wife. How do we, how do, how do we wrestle through this? I, I will say, I think, I think we have to look at our motives. The point of being a Christian is not what can I get away with. It, if that's our motive, we've missed what it means to draw near to God. The goal of the New Testament is not to say, what's the furthest we can get away from being near God and still get away with it? It's the opposite. It's how do we get as close as we can to God? How do we draw close to Him? And, and that's, a lifetime, that's a lifetime journey. Uh, I think our simple prayer, I think we overcomplicate this. I just have the question for myself— Am I, am I closer to God? Am I more Christ-like than I was a year ago? And if I am, then I'm, on the right, I'm, I'm heading in the right direction. And if I'm not, whether I haven't moved at all or whether I've maybe even fallen further away, then, I, then it's time for a course correction. The law, as Old Testament law, was the sign that God gave in choosing Israel. You are my chosen people. Here is this law 
that will guide you and will show, will show what a life devoted to me looks like. And we're going to look at that here. Um, it set Israel apart from the nations his, and his laws that we see in the New Testament, the universal principles, not the don't eat bacon bit, but, but the rest of it. It does set us apart from the world. It, it is, and, and let's keep in mind that, that the word set apart, Greek hagios, Hebrew chesed, is holy. His laws set us apart, make us holy. If we are his people, then our obedience to him sets us apart and makes us holy. And so I want to look at that. I want to look at the few New Testament applications of this um, that I think add some insight and talk about some of the principles in Deuteronomy that we just read. The first one I want to look at is Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, what we see in Deuteronomy, what we see in in Paul's writings, uh, is that when God gives, gave his people his law, whether we're talking about Israel, whether we're talking about us, when God gives us his law, it shows his love. So many kids that act out, we know this, you know where I'm going with this, they act out for attention. They want, they want their parents' attention. There, there was a young lady ages ago, I hope she's doing well, 20 years later, um, when, 25 years later, when, when, I was, when I was in Bible college, I did a, a week of church camp, uh, and, and there was a girl that was very open about her very unchristian lifestyle. She was a high school girl at this church camp, and she made a statement that has just haunted me. She said, I wish my parents cared who I was sleeping with. I, a lot of acting out is because people want to know that they're not supposed to act out. We have to recognize that the laws of God were written out of his love for us, not to punish us, not to restrict our fun. Do we, is that, there are some people that think that, I, you know, I've heard of people say, I don't want to be a Christian, I don't want to follow the Bible. Look at all that, don't do that, don't do that. Why would I want to live that way? That's not the, kind, that, that's not the point, and it's not the kind of God that he is. A, a good parent doesn't want to spoil their kids' fun, but they do want to nurture and protect and guide so that their children turn out healthy. When I was a kid, uh, I didn't get why my parents wouldn't let me cross the road even when there was no traffic coming. There were very strict rules on... I, I can tell you exactly where in Minneapolis that line was on the sidewalk on don't cross that line, that, that, those two pavement slabs. I can tell you exactly where that line was because um, that was etched in, in, into my brain. And if I crossed that line and my mom caught me, I felt it. <laughs> uh, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got spanked. Uh, I, I couldn't get why my friends down the road, uh, my, my neighbor buddies down the road that I would go to their house. If I, they were past that line, but I could get permission to go to their house. Chris and Tony were allowed to cross the road, and they could do whatever they wanted to. And I didn't have that, and I was, I was very jealous of, 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 my, of my friends that they were allowed to get away with so much more. Um, I was jealous of the kids that ran around without limits 
But I'll tell you what, it's kind of a funny thing. I always wanted to be the kid that, whose parents didn't give him any rules, didn't have any limits. And yet I had a lot of friends that were very jealous of how involved my parents were in my life and that they showed up at, at, at events and they cared what I was up to and, and, and they were involved in my life and, and they wanted the parents that actually cared what they got up to. Uh, the latchkey kids wished that their parents were around and cared. Uh, I was frustrated that my, wor- that my parents were around too much, but in retrospect, I'm not jealous of those kids anymore. Because God loves us, he sets up rules for us, laws for us, not because he's mad at us. The laws are to show us that he loves us. His rules are for the best for us. Who, who is more blessed, the latchkey kid whose parents aren't involved in their life, or the child whose parent is always there for them. Who's more blessed? The people whom God is around and tells them this is what pleases me and this is what... Or, or the people who, who didn't have God around. I mean, Israel was unique among nations is that God told them what to do and what not to do. Who was more blessed? All the other nations on earth that God wasn't telling them what to do? Or the nation that God said, this is how you draw close to me? God says... Israel is great because I am near and because I care to give them my laws. Now, somebody's going to say, Jason, we're not Israel. Yeah, I, I, I definitely get that, but we are his people. And his people are set apart to him and obedient to him. We are blessed that God cares enough about us that he doesn't say, do whatever you want to do, it's fine. That he knows what's healthy and good for us. He hasn't abandoned us. He doesn't watch us from a great distance and, and say, eh, do whatever you want to. He is a God who cares and loves. He is imminent, that's a fancy word, meaning he is involved in our lives. He is with us. He cares for us. His laws show that he cares for us. Look with me at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 25. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you've become as though you had not been circumcised. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, who even though you have the written code in circumcision are a lawbreaker. A man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a man's praise is not from men, but from God. You know, when we follow God's rules, we welcome into our life God's blessings. Following God's laws doesn't earn us more love. Compare ourselves to kids. Uh, to parents with kids. You have two kids. One obeys, one doesn't. You don't love the one more than the other. You're pleased with one more than the other, but that doesn't mean you love one more than the other. The punishment of the disobedient child isn't out of hatred. Punishment is because of love. The goal is to bring the wayward child back to a safer place, a better place for their own good. When that child is in a safer place, then the child can enjoy life 
more, trust of their parents more. Um, Obedience in children frees up the child to, uh, to be blessed by that parent and frees up trust. You have a, you have a child that, that, that is, uh, you know, time to do homework. Child fight. You listening? <laughs> time to do homework. Child fights and screams and kicks and, and does all these things and spends two hours complaining. Barely get their homework done before bed. Or had they done their 20 minutes of homework, they could have had the rest of the night to play, to watch TV. Obedience brings blessings. Disobedience. Disobedience kind of just ruins life. Why? Does homework for a kid matter? Yeah, it, it, it does. I find myself, in my, I'm glad I had math class. I didn't always like it, but I'm sure glad that I can balance my checkbook. Life is pretty rough if you can't. Science as I get older and am approaching 50 and finding that my health is not what it was when I was in my 20s, some of those biology lessons of what's good for, for biology and health kind of start to make a little bit more sense than they did when I was 20 and I was completely indestructible. And uh, the things that they teach us in, in school, uh, the math, the science, the reading, all of these things are good for us. Now, therefore, homework becomes good, and those kids that kick back against that yeah, I know it's not fun in the moment, but there's a reason that parents... So, who has the better life? The kids whose parents make them do the homework or the parents who say, ah, we don't care, this doesn't matter? We know the answer to that. We, we know that the parents who are involved in their kids' lives and who make them do the homework, even when the kids fight back, that these kids grow up to have successful lives. And we know that the kids whose parents don't care, that these are the kids that repeat grades that feel abandoned by the system, that fall through the cracks. You don't even have to be a Christian to get this. The parents that care about what their kids are up to and put limits on their lives and don't let them run around the neighborhood at midnight, 2 a.m., that these are the parents that aren't restricting their kids' fund. They're preparing their kids for a successful life. God is the same. Why did God make the rules that he did? I think... Why, why does he care about the things that he cares about? I think we're still learning this. From a health standpoint, circumcision is a healthy practice. And in an ancient culture, it turns out that that was, that was a healthy practice. You can take out the religious aspects. For a nation that doesn't have refrigeration and is wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, not eating pork, retrospectively we look back and say that was, that was a good health move. You can even take away the religious rules and just say, we look back and say, that made a lot of sense. They didn't know what we know now about trichinosis and germs and other things, but that made sense. And I think that we're still, as a culture, starting to learn some of the things that, that God gave us maybe make sense more than we realized. Psychiatrists let us know that, that sleeping around with people uh, that you're not married to is profoundly unhealthy at every level. Um, the CDC keeps track of, the, of those numbers for a reason. You know, it, it's, it's a disease problem. It creates commitment issues. It creates trust issues. It creates social issues. At a psychological level, that, that kind of thing... You know, I, I talk with counselors and psychiatrists um, from time to time as someone who does counseling uh, and, and hear these, and, and, and they say, yeah, not, you know, 90% of the people that we're dealing with 
Um, are, are people caught up in what would be a very unbiblical lifestyle? And these are from non-Christians. Um, I don't... The sexual revolution did not bring us freedom. It brought us a host of problems. It brought rampant divorce. It, it hurt people. It brought hurt, and it devastated households. And retro, retroactively, we're looking back and saying, maybe, maybe God knew what he was talking about. Maybe this wasn't fun and freedom that, that was good for us. Maybe, maybe that was short-term pleasure at the cost of long-term physical, mental, social, spiritual stability. We have to get past the idea that our goal, that the best in life is to be happy. And I mean this. Uh, I, know that, I know that the Constitution says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is great if you can get it for a bit. I, I keep saying happiness, happenstance, they, they are related words, and happenstance is a fancy word for accident. Sometimes you'll feel happy. Sometimes you won't. If, if my child's short-term happiness was the goal, she could eat chocolate ice cream for breakfast every morning. But that's not my goal. My goal isn't her happiness. My goal is her well-being, which isn't about happiness, but it's something deeper. I want her to have joy in her circumstances. Joy is different than happiness. Joy happens when life is difficult and, and when we're hurting and when we're mourning, but we still have that joy that Christ brings us. I want her to have healthy practices. I want her to know how to study because that's useful. I want her to know not just to watch TV you know, 12 hours a day. I want her to be able to read and be able to, to continue a lifetime of learning. Um, not always fun when we argue about homework, but that's okay. My goal isn't her fun. My goal is her well-being. Short-term happiness is never our goal. Um, parents look to the long-term needs of their kids. Long-term, I needed to see that my health was more important than my immediate happiness. In my own life, I needed to see that. Long-term, God cares about your eternal salvation. And your happiness is incidental to that. Great if we can get it. But we're not always going li- to We just can't live in permanent happiness. God is concerned about your, your, your forever well-being. The laws of the Lord are so that I can, Deuteronomy chapter, back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 1, so that I can live and prosper. Verse 6, for wisdom and understanding. If we want the best from God, which is not health and wealth. Those are nice, but they fade. And frankly, wealth can be quite a distraction from God. If I want the best from God, obedience is what helps me, makes me receptive to his will, helps me understand him, helps me understand his world. God's goals are not our earthly happiness, but that we will enter into his kingdom of heaven forever with him, and, and then his happiness. It's, it's When I was working on my master's thesis, I would go to work, I would work eight hours a day, I would come home, I would work on my thesis for six hours a day. It was a rough schedule. It was a rough schedule. Worth it. Worth it. I tried to find the fun in it. Tried to, tried to find the fun. Um, but it was a short-term struggle for a long-term gain. Getting that master's degree opened up a lot of doors. This life has some short-term struggles. Long-term, we're going to be able to kick back and relax and enjoy the, the fact that for the short-term, we struggled we, we learned discipline. That's what it means to be a disciple. We learn discipline in the short term, so in the long term we can benefit. One other passage I want to look at is in Romans chapter 9, starting with verse 6. 
It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac, and yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust or not at all? For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. What we see throughout the Bible, Deuteronomy, Paul looking back on the Old Testament, Romans in particular is a great book for this, that that the laws of God display the universe of God. Now, I... I tend to really dislike movies based on books. I like books. I love books. I love to read books. I love classics. And then along comes Hollywood who says, this great classic book, let's make it a movie, and we can improve on it, and let's make some changes. And it bugs me to kingdom come. If it was a classic, don't meddle with it. Thank you. <laughs> that just Lord of the Rings, was it, were the movies good? They ruined Faramir. He was a great character in the second book, and they completely ruined him in the movie, and, they, and, and there was no... Yeah. Okay, so box done on that one. There is an arrogance about people that says, we can take something and we can improve upon it. Whether, and, and so many times, if you've read the book and then, read the, and then watch the movie, it's, it's just, I, there are decisions that are made to shorten it down to a two-hour movie. I can live with those. But the complete reversal of characters, the changing of characters' personality traits, just ruins it for me. If the Bible is inerrant, sufficient, authoritative, infallible, divinely inspired, universal, and unique, if the Bible is those things, then I can't improve on it. What it says is non-negotiable. We live in a day when Christians say, I don't know that I need to follow this book that wholeheartedly. I don't know that it's those things. Um, I I don't know that I believe that the Bible is completely true. So why, you know, can't I? I'll just follow the bits that I like. I'll follow the bits that already line up with how I was living my life, which makes us the center of the world and the Bible revolving around us. And that's a dangerous place to be. Our battle in the 20th, first century is the authority of the Bible, that it is God's word, that it is true. Our problem is when Christians have this attitude of, why bother? If God has forgiven me, I don't need this. It's not that big of a deal. I'm forgiven. What's the point of all of this? Obedience becomes something for old old folks, elders, teachers, preachers, not for everybody. It's not a big deal. God loves me. He'll forgive me. That's why, I ha- that's, that's why I became a Christian, so I can have God's forgiveness. This book doesn't matter all that much. But then why? 
there are four books that tell us about Jesus and a, and a fifth book that tells us about the church. And then after that, the rest of the New Testament is, here's how you follow God. Those books would have been a complete waste of time and paper and effort if they didn't matter. Um, the difference between sin and sins, as a Christian, I am free from sin. I still commit sins, and I want to get rid of those, and I want to become more and more Christ-like to start getting rid of those. But sin, as a concept, is a force. It's not just this vague concept. As a damning force that separates me from God, sin is not in my life anymore now that I'm a Christian. Sins, I'm still contending with those, but I am free from sin. Sin is a lifestyle. It's a commitment to an unchrist-like world. Sins are things that I do that God will continue to forgive me for, but sin, that's behind me now that I'm a Christian. Jesus tells us that a man cannot serve two masters. Sin is a master. Christ is a master. I know who I will choose. If coming to know God is my top priority, then his laws, his, the things that we are told do this to draw close to God, then those are not a burden, those are a delight. I want to know how to draw close to God. I want to know what he desires of me. And so things like going to church and reading the Bible and prayer are no longer a burden. They're a joy. They, become, they make my life better. I get to know God and his son Jesus better through these things. Um, and because I'm drawing close to, to God, they're not always fun. And I want to emphasize the difference between fun and joy. <laughs> They're not always fun, but they're a joy because I'm, I know that I'm drawing close to God and it matters eternally. Christians grow when they draw near to God because that's the definition of spiritual growth. It amazes me that some people complain that they aren't drawing close to God when they have no intention of obeying Him. Those are contradictory concepts. It's His heaven. If we don't like His rules on earth, we're probably not going to like heaven. I don't think that the Bible is negotiable. Uh, verse back to Romans or back to Deuteronomy chapter four, verse two says, "Don't add or subtract to them." Verse nine said, "Remember them." Uh, the goal is to draw close to God. He's told us how. This is what this is our starting point. Too many people want to skip this and then ask the question, "How am I not drawing close to God?" This is, this is where we start. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks looking through what Deuteronomy tells us about obedience to God and, and in that, um, how that will help us to draw close to God. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 343. Have you been obedient in following the Lord? If not, I want to talk with you. Um, I, 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 really believe, I, I don't think that Christianity should be stressful. I don't think that following Christ is stressful. I think it's freeing. Take... Jesus says, uh, my burden is light. You know, I, I think that the Christian way is better. I think it's freeing. I think that what Jesus came to give us was freedom and joy. Uh, yes, there's obedience, but I would rather be obedient to Christ than a slave to sin in the world. If you don't know what that means, I really want to talk with you about that. And what Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.